Welcome to Living Truth Radio, a ministry of Living Truth Christian Fellowship with Pastor Michael Lance. It is our goal to build up believers and reach out with God's truth to all people. Now here's today's message with Pastor Michael. Acts 15, 36 through 16, 10, he guides me. Silas, who uh, was brought into Paul's ministry, was a Roman citizen, Acts 16, 37, beneficial. He was a prophet, Acts 15, 32. He probably spoke Greek, Acts 15, 22 and 32. He served as Paul's stenographer, 1 Thessalonians 1, 1, 2 Thessalonians 1, 1, even for Peter in 1 Peter 5, 12. The absence of Barnabas was a great loss, but the addition of Silas was a great gain. So sometimes in life what happens is we, we lose somebody, maybe they move away, and we never could have imagined doing life or ministry without them, but then God brings somebody else into our path. God is gracious that way. And he can even heal our wounds through the presence of new faces in our lives. And sometimes we're, we're tempted to give up. Oh, this is never gonna, I'm never going to have a friend like this again. I'm never going to have you know, a pastor who knows me like this again. And God has a way of ministering in that way. Here's a second thought. Uh, Timothy would become one of Paul's dearest partners in ministry and life. It is hard not to conclude that Timothy was God's provision to take the place of Mark on the team. Timothy was both Greek and Jewish, as we'll see in a moment. He could be effective in reaching both groups, which was Paul's heart, and becoming a bridge to keep the wall down between Jew and Gentile. Mark was a bit uh, undependable at this time. Timothy was on fire, well spoken of, and Timothy stepped into that gap. So God can guide us through failure and conflict. He can clean up the pieces. He can cause both parties to move to fruitful ministry and even bring new people into our lives that are beneficial for us. God is gracious. Amen? I've seen this happen over my lifetime. I'm sure you've seen the same as well. Maybe you're in a spot right now where you're, you're in the middle of transition. And you're wondering, God, you know, is it going to be like this again? And, and in time, God may show you new things about his faithfulness. 41. And so he, Paul, along with Silas, was traveling through Syria In Cilicia, remember now, they're retracing their steps to go strengthen these churches, strengthening the churches. And I'm sure they read the encouraging letter of the outcome of the council. I'm sure they were making sure that they knew this false doctrine that was going around. I'm sure they were teaching and getting leaders more grounded. And he, Paul, 16.1 now, came to Derby, came also to Derby and Lystra, continuing to move now and retrace their steps. And behold, a certain disciple was there named Timothy. He was the son of a Jewish woman who was a believer, but his father was a Greek. Here's the second principle, getting more specific. God's guidance can guide us through less than the best circumstances or less than perfect circumstances. In this case, now Paul comes into this area of Lystra and he meets a man named Timothy. He's probably a late teenager or in his early 20s. Timothy has a Jewish mom but a Greek dad. The evidence is that there's no synagogue in Lystra and because there's a contrast between his believing mother, look at verse 1, his mother was a believer but, end of verse 1, his father was a Greek. The conclusion is that dad was an unbeliever. Now, I can't tell you how many times over my time in pastoral ministry I've watched a single woman, uh, that is, she's coming singly to church. She's married to an unbelieving husband. So she comes with her children and often her grandchildren because hubby is nowhere on the radar. He's an unbeliever. And it's interesting, Timothy is not circumcised 
And first of all, mom probably shouldn't have married a Gentile, a Greek, but she did. But Tim, the fact that Timothy's not circumcised means that the family's not practicing because they would have followed Judaism and circumcised him on what day? The eighth day. But Timothy's not circumcised, and it may be, this is speculation, but it may be that dad, the Greek dad said, I don't want you practicing Judaism. I don't want him circumcised. I don't want you going into the synagogue. And so grandma and mom, if you know the story of Timothy, you know what they did. They grounded him in the scriptures in the home. Apparently, they didn't go to synagogue. Uh, Hubby may have even been against them practicing, but mom and grandma shared the Bible with Timothy. And you know, moms and grandmas, you have such an impact on both the young ladies and the young men in your life. Uh, for those of you who will watch football today, you know, the football player gets interviewed. He's 6'6", 280 pounds. All right, what about the game and anything else you'd like to say? And he'd say, hi, mom. <laughs> why do they never say hi, dad? <laughs> never. You know why? She who rocks the cradle changes the world. Look, moms have so much influence on young men. They shape their lives in so many different ways. And so it is amazing to me that you watch, uh, some believe that the Greek dad is dead. Timothy's late teens, early 20s. And guess who steps in now to Timothy's life to become his spiritual dad? Paul. And for the rest of the Bible, in at least six New Testament letters, Paul mentions Timothy and he calls him my beloved son. Does God work us and guide us through conflict and missing pieces in our lives? That's my story. I didn't really have a dad that was even really present. And then nobody, no male figure that guided me to the Lord. But my mom and grandma laid a foundation. And then other godly men came into my life later on and showed me the way. And so look at something about Timothy that you need to see. Verse 2, he was well spoken of by the brethren who were in Lystra and Iconium. Timothy and his family probably from Lystra. And Lystra was the place, if you recall, that Paul was hit with a bunch of rocks, dragged out of the city and left for dead. And it's possible that Timothy saw him get stoned after he was preaching. And the Lord Jesus, and don't sacrifice to us, we're not gods. And then they took the rocks and they stoned Paul. And it's interesting, Paul probably became a believer because of the stoning of Stephen, and Timothy probably became a believer because of the stoning of Paul. Wow. That's not the way I want to have a testimony in the town. But anyway, that's what happened. Right? So Timothy and his family were, they knew the Bible, but they probably became Christians as a result of the preaching of Paul and the witness of Paul. And Timothy was a man well spoken of. He was young but on fire. He was one of those guys growing by leaps and bounds. He couldn't get enough. When I first became a Christian, I had some background in uh, Catholicism. And when I heard the gospel and I started learning about the Bible, I was a sponge. I was in outside sales. I was listening to 10, 12 sermons a day, going to school at night. I could not get enough of the Bible. Yet I still had a lot of bumps and bruises in my life trying to come out of a party lifestyle and follow Jesus Christ. But I'll tell you this, God was just pouring into my life. And I think people came up to Paul and said something like this, you got to meet this Timothy man. This young man, he's a quality guy. He knows the word. He'll do anything you want. He'll serve in any way you want. Eusebius, the church historian, said that Timothy was the first bishop of Ephesus. In 356, Constantius transferred what was thought to be Timothy's remains from Ephesus to Constantinople, that's modern Istanbul, and buried them in the Church of the Apostles, which had been built by his father, Constantine. So Timothy had this incredible... uh, 
testimony in the area of Ephesus. He would end up pastoring the church at Ephesus. In 1 Corinthians 4.17, Paul said, For this reason I have sent you Timothy, who is my beloved and faithful child in the Lord. He will remind you of my ways which are in Christ Jesus, just as I teach everywhere in every church. Paul would say in 2 Timothy 1, uh, 2, 1 to Timothy, You therefore, my son, be strong in the grace of our Lord. And so what, God, what did God do through less than ideal circumstances, conflict, and a family that was probably divided over how they should live? God brought Silas and Timothy into Paul's life and then gave Timothy Paul. And I'm not sure that Paul would have looked for Timothy in the same way had Mark still been there. Are you with me? It was kind of a gap, and, and now Timothy steps into the gap, and there's an extra blessing. And now Paul could look back and say, wow, I can see God's fingerprints of grace even in this situation that started out really bad. Because there had to be many nights when Paul missed Barnabas and, and regretted the argument and all those things that we go through, yet God was gracious. And so Paul wanted this man to go with him, Timothy to go, verse 3. And so he took him, and he circumcised him. Now, some of you who read this passage, you go, what? Wasn't the whole council in Acts 15 about whether people needed to be circumcised to be saved? And now Paul takes Timothy and circumcises him? Why? Is this a conflict? No, because Paul does not circumcise Timothy for his salvation. This is about him not stumbling other Jewish people. People knew that Timothy's father was a Greek, but he knew, they knew that his mom was a Jew. And every town that Paul went into that had a synagogue, he would always begin his missionary uh, contact in the synagogue, which was Jewish, and Timothy would not be able to go in with the same credentials and acceptance unless he was Jewish. So Paul did not circumcise Timothy as a salvation issue. It was not to stumble. And, and uh, John Newton, who wrote Amazing Grace, said of Paul, he was a reed on non-essentials. He, he could blow either way, but on essentials, he was iron. He would not, you would not move him when it came to the issue of salvation. Obviously, Paul believed that circumcision is not necessary for salvation, but Timothy was already saved. And for the sake of an entree to be able to talk to the Jews and not have Timothy be in a distraction, what about this guy? He just simply circumcised him. And you want to talk about faithfulness and passion for the mission, Timothy agreed. That's a test of obedience, isn't it? All right, uh, you want to go? We just have one requirement. We're going to remove the stumbling block <laughs> to the Jewish people, literally speaking. And so I have become all things to all men, that I, by means of that I might win some. Now the contrast, write it down for your notes, is Galatians 2, 3 through 5, where Titus, who Paul writes to in the New Testament, is a full-blooded Gentile, and people are trying to force Titus to get circumcised, and Paul says, absolutely not. We would not allow him to be circumcised because he was Greek, but Timothy was part Jewish, and so that's why they did it. And Paul says in Galatians 2.5, we did not yield in subjection to them for even one hour so that the truth of the gospel may remain with you. Paul did it as a concession to reach people for the gospel. Don't die on the wrong hills, folks. Don't die on the wrong hills. If it's an essential having to do with the truth of God and the gospel and how you get saved, you've got to die on that hill. 
but we can't die over non-essential things. Now, while they were passing through the cities, they were delivering the decrees, the good news of the letter, which had been decided upon by the apostles and elders who were in Jerusalem for them to observe or to obey. Salvation by grace and these uh, things about not... um, stumbling a brother and keeping fellowship open. So the churches, verse 5, were being strengthened in the faith and were increasing in numbers daily. Man, there was excitement and people were coming into the church and they passed through the Phrygian and Galatian region having been, notice, forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. It appears that they wanted to go back through Asia Minor, but the Holy Spirit forbade them. So you have God's guidance through conflict, God's guidance through less than perfect circumstances. And three, God's guidance through the closing of doors. God does open doors and God does close doors. And here they were forbidden by the Holy Spirit, look at verse six, to speak the word in Asia. And when they had come to Mysia, they were trying to go into Bithynia. And the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. I want you to notice that the Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Jesus because he is working, uh, the Holy Spirit is working to represent Jesus in the sense of the mission. This is the triune nature of God. The Holy Spirit is the Spirit of Jesus. And Jesus, through the Spirit, is guiding the church to preach the gospel. And so they were forbidden. The Holy Spirit says, no, you can't go there. Door closed. They tried to go into Bithynia, and the Spirit of Jesus did not permit them. Just an interesting side note. When Peter writes in 1 Peter 1.1, he writes to those in Bithynia, and some believe that Paul was forbidden so that Peter could go to this region. 1 Peter 1 verse 1. Why duplicate efforts? But now listen to this. Okay, so if the Lord guides us through closing doors, how did he speak? It says he, the Holy Spirit forbade them. They were forbidden to go. And Jesus did not allow them to go. And you say, how? I want to know how. And the answer to your question is, I don't know. Because the Bible doesn't tell us. But I have some, uh, I think, reasonable speculation. And number one, I would say, maybe they were all getting a sense in their spirit. I think God can speak to us inside and give us kind of a warning, a discernment, if you will, not to go that way. Maybe they all were feeling the same thing. In 2006, we went to Israel, and some of us had agreed to go on a, uh, another part of the tour into the rock city of Petra in Jordan, just the neighboring country over. And so the day had come, and we had done some stuff in the morning, and there was a sense among the group, a collective sense, you know what? I don't think we should go. We couldn't even explain why, but just, we just felt like we're not going to go. So we passed that day and going to Petra. So we get back to the hotel room. We turn on, we just had a few stations in the room, turn on the BBC, kind of worldwide news, and they were announcing that Israel had uh, completely demolished a prison where there was a prisoner in there who they had found out was making some plans against the country against Israel. And so they leveled the prison with a, like a tank or a bulldozer, grabbed this prisoner and brought him in so that for questioning. And the report said, if you're an American anywhere in this region, do not travel today because it will be dangerous because they will try to retaliate. And if you're an American or an Israeli citizen, they will try to grab you as a means of retaliation. And we all looked at each other and went, Praise the Lord for an inner witness of don't go there. You see, God can speak that way. Now, we don't know all the reasons. We don't know if the travel became difficult and they said, man, this is, this is not easy. It's not always easy to tell through difficult circumstances. Some believe Paul became sick 
and he couldn't continue traveling in that direction. We don't know. But Jesus uh, closed the door and praise God for closed doors. God will guide you through cr- closing doors. And when you pray, let's say you have a situation before you and you're praying about it. Pray this way. God, this is biblical. If it's not you, close that door. I will redirect because you are my shepherd. I am your sheep. I want to follow you. And if I'm not supposed to be there, do not let me go there, Lord. Sometimes it means you push on the door. And if it doesn't open, don't go there. You might have to wait. You might just keep moving in the direction you already know you're supposed to go because look, they're already doing gospel ministry, but there was something clear here and Jesus said, I don't want you to go there. And so the door went up, praise God. Now passing by Mysia, they came down to Troas. Now if you could follow the map, they're coming now to the edge of the uh, Asia Minor, modern day Turkey, and they're at a port city on the Aegean Sea, and the only way they can really face now is northwest. So if they were standing on the, at the harbor, they would be looking into mainland Greece, and it's the area of Macedonia now, and they had to be sitting there going, what are we supposed to do? Have you ever been there before? Okay, door closed. Door closed. Okay, Lord, is there an open door here? Or are you just closing doors? Right? So the negative's cool, but is there a positive here? Well, here it comes. They're, they came down to Troas. They're waiting. Lord, where do you want us to go now? They were at the mouth of what's called the Dardanelles between the land masses of Europe and Asia, the great waterways of the Aegean and Black Seas near the ancient city of Troy. And notice what happens now. So they, they apparently go to sleep that night. And verse 9 says, And a vision appeared to Paul in the night. Could have been a dream. A certain man of Macedonia, so just across the sea, was standing and appealing to him and saying, come over to Macedonia and help us. Come over to Macedonia and help us. Now, Paul may have gone to bed that night and he was probably going, okay, closed door, closed door. Now what, Lord? And all of a sudden, he gets a dream or a vision. And a man is standing there pleading with him. There's been some scholars who believe that the man is Alexander the Great. Who, this is pure speculation who wanted to bring together the East and the West and and memories of him would be all over that land. And there's other people who say it was Dr. Luke because Luke does appear in this text. I'll show you this in a moment. And maybe Luke's connection to Philippi, which is one of the cities of Macedonia, if you're interested, the principal cities of Macedonia were Philippi, Thessalonica, and Berea. So this is how the story is going to unfold. And all of a sudden, Paul has a dream. And when he had seen the vision, verse 10, immediately we, now the we includes the writer, which is Luke. And now Luke is joining the missionary team. And we don't know for sure, but we can speculate that they may have met at a doctor's appointment. Paul may have come into this part of the city and said, hey, is there a doctor anywhere? Some people think he had a form of Asian fever or eye problems or whatever. And he went to see Dr. Luke and they started talking and apparently Luke agreed to come along with Paul and probably was converted uh, by Paul preaching the gospel to his doctor. And when you go to the doctor, I don't know if you think of your doctor as a person you can share with, but everybody's a person you can share with. I especially like to share with dentists because before they work on my mouth, I want to make sure they're born again. Christians, you know what I'm saying? Anyway, but you can share with people everywhere and have an impact on them. And so... 
immediately we sought to go into Macedonia, we concluded, and this word concluded is symbibatso, and it means to put all the things together. It, it's interesting to me and it's encouraging that they came to this conclusion. Okay, see, let's see. He closes the doors there. Paul, you had an interesting dream. I think we're supposed to go to Macedonia. Sound like a good conclusion? Yeah. You know, the Christian life navigating the will of God is often like that. We, we've been in long elder meetings, and what do you think? You've been praying about how's the Lord spoken to you? What do you think? And we, we sometimes say, you know what? It looks like the Lord's leading us this way. And sometimes it's a redirect to what we thought we were supposed to do, and that's okay, because if God shuts the door, go through the one he opened. Amen? Sometimes we just don't hear things the right way. We've got to wait and seek the Lord. And so we concluded that God had called us to preach the gospel. And guess what? As they went across to Europe, that's the reason why the gospel got to the United States. You see, brothers and sisters, this second missionary journey is the reason why you are sitting here right now. Because it went to Europe, and then people from Europe came to the States, and the gospel got here so that you could hear about Jesus Christ. Praise the Lord. Hallelujah. The Lord will deliver me from every evil deed and will bring me safely home to his heavenly kingdom. To him be the glory forever and ever, and all God's people said. Father, thank you so much for this text, and thank you that you are a guiding God guiding us to green pastures and still waters, restoring our souls, guiding us in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. Lord, oftentimes we get confused, we look at the world, we, we get flooded with paralysis of analysis, we, we think of all these angles, and we often leave you out of decisions about school and purchases and who we're going to marry and what we're going to do next and where we're going to work. Forgive us, Lord. You're a guiding God. My sheep know my voice and they follow me. I give them eternal life and no one shall snatch them out of my hand. Lord, we want to hear your voice. And I know that there's a group of people here hungry to hear what you have to say and to obey. So whatever has been from you today, Lord, whatever has been from your spirit, that you want someone to act upon the words that they've heard. Please give them the grace and the desire to be obedient. Even if it goes against what they thought they should do, help us to do it your way. Your way is the best way. Lord, if we're waiting on a situation right now where we don't know what to do, help us to wait upon you and seek counsel from godly people and pray and search your word and do all those things that we've talked about today. And let us also remember of how you worked all these things together for good. You blessed despite the mistakes and failures. And you do do that, and we are so grateful. For the person who's maybe just come out of a conflict or a less than perfect situation and wondering what's going to happen next, may you remind them of how you worked all this out for good. You are faithful. Just keep your head and heart bowed. If you don't know Christ today, You've been trying to navigate life on your own. He does want to save you. He wants to become your Lord. He wants to become your shepherd to guide you. But you must trust in him. You must be able to say the Lord is my shepherd. And that means you need to repent right now of your sin and trust in the cross of Christ, his resurrection, his blood shed for you.
cry out to him right now. Say, Lord, forgive me. Save me. I want to know you. I want to walk with you. Please guide me. Maybe you're a Christian here and you just need extra guidance right now and you've been struggling over a situation or two or three and the Lord is faithful. Look to him right now. Lord, may you minister to those who need your grace and your input into their situation. May you speak to them and guide them. I just want to praise you for this wonderful fellowship and I pray as you continue to guide us that we just continue to walk with you since you are the Lord of the church. Uh, We pray all of this in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. If you would like to listen to this message, or if you would like more information about the ministry of Living Truth, please visit our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org. Hey, this is Pastor Michael. I want to tell you about a new book that has just come out that I've written. It's called Suit Up, Putting on the Full Armor of God, A Revealing Look at God's Armor. What this book is really about, it's written in a devotional style, and it's written to help you, the believer, to put on the full armor of God. One of the things that the armor of God speaks of is protection. And God has provided you armor to protect you against the typical ways that the enemy attacks. You have a belt of truth because the enemy is a liar. Each piece of armor is custom made to help you in the typical ways that the enemy attacks. Each piece of armor reflects God himself. He's the God of truth. He's righteous. He's the God of peace. All the pieces of the armor point to him and they point to his provision to you, the believer, because he loves you. The reason God wants to protect you is because he's your father. He knows about the spiritual battle. He knows about the enemy. And he knows how you can be best protected and stand strong against temptation. Suit up, putting on the full armor of God. It's now available on Amazon. I want to get this book in your hands because I believe it's going to help you as a Christian to walk in strength, to know how to put on the armor daily, to put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh, and to experience more victory in your Christian life. The book will be available soon on Kindle and on our website. But right now you can get it on Amazon. It's Suit Up by Pastor Michael Lance. I would urge you to get the book today. If you cannot afford a copy of the book, or if you want to give a donation directly to Living Truth Radio, send us an email and we'll get the book into your hands as our gift to you for a donation to the radio ministry. LivingTruthRadio.org is the radio website. Thank you for listening to today's program. Our mission is to get the truth of God's Word out. This is our passion. We want to impact as many people as possible, and we have an opportunity to expand this radio program, and we need you, the listener, to partner with us in prayer and in giving. You can give to our ministry through our website at livingtruthcorona.org. That's livingtruthcorona.org.